This morning we're going to finish our uh, seventh part, or seventh and last part of our series entitled Seven Decisions. And uh, just for a reminder, say, remember all these decisions that we've been talking about lately are nothing more than just uh, seven biblical principles that God desires for us to not only know, but he wants us to walk in and wants us to live in them. And the reason that he wants us to uh, to know if you can say almost uh, have these these uh, decisions as foundations of your life. The reason he wants some, uh, us to apply them and be in that position is because he wants us to be prosperous and successful uh, with him, but not only with him, but also with people. Amen. So so these things are maybe let me say it this way. When you look at the Bible, the Bible's really just a book of, about relationship. It's a book about relationship with God, and it's about relationship with people. And I just wholeheartedly believe that if we apply these seven decisions to our life, then we'll be prosperous and successful with our walk with Him and also with other people. Amen? Amen? Amen. Listen, so the first six decisions that we've already discussed are this. Number one, we talked about the buck stops here. That's simply just with responsibility. Number two, our second decision is that I will seek wisdom. Our third one was, I am a person of action. Number four is, I have a decided heart. Number five is, I have a forgiving heart. And number six is, is I have a grateful heart. Now, before we dive in our seventh one today, I want to um, just give you a thought that's been rolling around in my heart for, I don't know, a few weeks now. And the thought's really simple, but I just want us to, to maybe consider this. But the thought is this, is that we make choices and then our choices make us. That we make choices, and then our choices make us. So I want to think about that for a moment, just in the uh, confines of what we've already talked about as far as our uh, six decisions. So think about this. is We can choose to blame others, or we can choose to take responsibility. We can choose to live this life depending on our own wisdom, or we can choose to depend on God's wisdom. We can choose to be the type of person that's marked by idleness, Or we can choose to be the type of person that's marked by action and forward movement. We can choose to waver in indecision, or we can choose to be unwavering in God's purpose for our lives. We can choose to live in a prison of offense, chained to our past, or we can choose to forgive and be free. We can choose to complain about what we don't have, or we can choose to be grateful for all the blessings that God has given us. Amen? But I want you to think about this. Think about how different our lives will be. If we just make the right choices consistently in those six areas, Can you imagine that literally how different your life would be. I mean, just by the, the daily choice of going, you know what, I'm going to be grateful versus I'm going to be negative. How different would your life would be? How different would your life be as I'm going to be forgiving other than be always unforgiving and have bitterness? It's, it's amazing just in six little simple decisions, how, how vastly different our life would be if we just chose to do what God's word says. Amen. So but here's the beautiful thing about being created with a free will. The choice is up to us. It's up to us. Nobody's going to make it for us, not even God himself. But, but it's kind of like this. Here's what I, what I think is really important for us to understand when we talk about uh, making choices and our choices make us. It is, a, is this. It's a culmination of our choices that ultimately make us who we are. Is that true? That the culmination of our choices define us. That the culmination of our choices determine our future. And it's kind of like this. When we look at that, when we look at especially the ability to have a free will, then it's this, is that if I want to become someone different than I currently am, or if I want my future to look different than my present, then I have the freedom and the, and the God-given ability to just make different choices. Yes? It's, it's really simple, but it's really, in my mind, it's life-giving. 
that if we go, you know what, today, you know what, I'm done. I'm just, I'm going to go this way. I know I've been going this way, but I'm going to go this way. It's simply that. It's a choice. Simple as that. So with that thought in mind, consider this verse, and then we'll go to our seventh one. Uh, this is a verse we read quite a bit around here, but it's Galatians 6, 7 through 9. And it says this, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows, or we could say it this way, for whatever a man chooses, it says that he will also reap. For he who sows to this flesh, or he who chooses his flesh, of the flesh will reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit, or he who chooses the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And then it says this, And let us not grow weary while doing good. If I can insert there, let us not grow weary while making right choices. Amen. It says, For in due season we shall reap, or I put another word, we shall become or we shall have if we do not lose heart. Pretty simple, yes? Amen. I just... I know that's a really simple thought, but I just want to lodge in our hearts that literally when we're going about our day and, there, and we have that opportunity of whichever one it is in those six decisions to go, yep, I'm going to choose the right thing versus choosing what my flesh really wants to do. Amen? Amen. Here, let me help you out. Okay? It's kind of like this. It's kind of like if, if I'm in traffic, right? Like We obviously don't have tons of that around here. But, but if I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts me off, it reveals to you how much your flesh still remains, right? Uh, you want to point north with a certain finger that dwells in the middle, and you want to honk the horn, right? And, and so you want to let somebody know what's up. You want to have that flesh moment. Instead of just going, you know what, I choose to just say, Jesus, bless them. Let them move on. Maybe they're in a hurry. Sure, some of you guys do that better than me. I don't run around shooting people birds. But it's kind of like, uh, you, you know, it's really easy to get aggravated with those people and, and make it into something that, oh, at the end of the day, it's really nothing. Right. Instead of letting have that one moment ruin the rest of my day. And what we tend to do is is we're driving home from work and then we get home. We're mad at that guy, but we take it out on somebody else in our house. But if I just made the right choice and I went to the house with the right spirit and the right heart, and everything would have been good. Amen. All right. So let's turn attention to our last. And, and this is honestly what I personally believe is the most important uh, of all the seven decisions. And the reason I believe it's the most important is this is because. Uh, if we don't have the ability to succeed in this one area, then we really won't succeed in all the other ones. So if you kind of look at it like this, this one decision, our success and all the others hinges on our ability to succeed in this one. And not to be a Debbie Downer, but it's kind of like this. If we fail to do this one, then we really fail to do all the other ones, okay? So I want to start off today by uh, illustrating this decision by just simply something I read. So here's what I read the other day. I think it's pretty cool. It says, in Australia, there's a story about a tribe of Aboriginal rainmakers says this particular tribe of rainmakers always made it rain says now Aboriginal are are known for their rain dances, but some tribes were more successful than others. And word got around that this particular tribe was always able to make it rain says when the white communities were in trouble due to drought, they began to call this particular tribe to do their rain dance. On one such occasion, the leader of the white community went to the king of this renowned group and said, why is it that every time, every single time you dance, it rains? The king replied like this. He said, it's very simple, actually. We dance till it rains. That we dance till it rains. Turn to your neighbor and say, sometimes in life. I'm going to say like you mean it. Sometimes in life, you just got to keep dancing. Here's the point. These aborigines, they exemplified really our seventh decision in their uh, dance until it rains approach. And it's this, that they decided or they chose to persist without exception. 
that they decide to persist without exception. Now, I want to stress something here at the top. Uh, a lot of us, we, we know how to persist, but do we know how to persist without exception? I, re- I remember growing up, I would, uh, my stepdad would give me some kind of task to do. And, and I would, you know, sit there, whatever, in front of our shop at the house, and, and I would try to do this task, and I would get so frustrated that I would want to quit. Anybody ever been there? And I remember he'd walk over to me, and he'd just say, Hey, boy, are you going to let that thing beat you? Being of the competitive nature I am, that just made me uh, suppress the feelings that I wanted to throw it across the yard. And, you know, instead I just, okay, let's see if I can fix it. And what would happen if I would persist without the emotions and the feelings and all those things that I had at that moment? Uh, guess what? I would succeed. So there's a difference between persisting until it gets tough. And then there's a the thing about persisting without exception. Are you all following me today? See, if you're aware of it or not, God has called us and he's even equipped us to persist in spite of what mountain, what giant, what obstacle stands in front of us. He's called and equipped us to persist in spite of what we see, in spite of what we feel, in spite of what we hear. He has called and equipped us to persist through faith, hope, and love. Amen. He has called and equipped us to persist in prayer and worship. He's called and equipped us to persist in his plan for our lives. He has called and equipped us once again to persist without exception. So let me tell you what persist means. Persist means this. It means to refuse to give up. To refuse to give up. That's the kind of people we need today in the church. Amen? People that refuse to give up, especially when faced with opposition or difficulty. Jesus promised it. It's going to come, right? Did he not promise this opposition? Yes, he did. He, he promised us tribulation. He said it's coming. But he was encouraging us to refuse to not give up. It also means this, to continue steadfastly in a purpose, to continue steadfastly in a course of action in spite of opposition. Somebody say persist. Somebody say persist without exception. Listen, the Bible, we see uh, people that persisted. We see Noah. Think about it. Noah, a hundred years. As he got mocked, right? hundred years of built the ark. We see it in Abraham. We see it in Moses. We see it in Joshua. We see it in the judges and the prophets. Those guys knew how to persist. We see persistence in the life of Paul when he said this. I love this verse. This 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. This man knew how to stay the course in spite of difficulty, in spite of opposition. Watch this, that he continually faced. When a man says he's been shipwrecked, when he's been beat, when he's been stoned to death, and actually when you look at at what it means there, it actually means that he was stoned to death and they rose him back to life. So when a guy walks through that, and I'm only giving you a brief part of it, and he said, you know what, I I, I wasn't forsaken, I wasn't abandoned, I kept moving forward. I, I knew how to persist. Without exception. It's kind of like this. So often in the church today, uh, we go to work and we try to tell somebody about Jesus. We get made fun of and, we, and we're silent for the rest of the time. And the devil won. You know, there's, there's that old moody, uh, movie with uh, Jodie Foster back in the day. It's called Silence, Silence of the Lambs. That, that could be a banner that waves over a majority of the church. The Lambs of God. Amen? Yes? And, and said it's this thing that if we can persist... Without exception, we'd understand that Paul's talking about, look, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't been beat. But I can still open my mouth for the gospel. Amen? 
Amen. So listen, we see persistence in the life of Jesus. Look at Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, when we look to him, what are we supposed to see? It says, who for the joy that was set, set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Then the author of Hebrews, he goes on to encourage us to persist in spite of the difficulties we might face. Look at verse 3. It says, for consider him, for consider Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Why? At least you become weary and discouraged in your souls. It's good, isn't it? At least you become weary and discouraging in your souls. Listen, this means that you and I are definitely going to face times where we get discouraged. Yeah? We're going to face times where we want to throw in the towel. But what he's saying in those times is, look, you, you need to look to Jesus and remember what Jesus did so you can have hope in your own heart. Not to give up, but to stay the course, to run the race that was set before you. Amen? Amen. So listen, um, most of us have been in the kingdom long enough to know that, unfortunately, um, everybody that starts on the God journey doesn't end the God journey well. Unfortunately, everyone doesn't persist without exception, right? I want to show you a few verses here from Paul, and then we'll we'll dive in here. We're going to be pretty quick today. I'll show you what Paul said when he wrote to the believers in Galatia, it says this in Galatians 1, 6. It says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. That I marvel that you are turning away. I marvel that you're not persisting without exception. And then he says this. Uh, he echoes basically a similar thing in chapter 5, verse 7. He says this. says, you ran well. Who hindered you? Another translation actually says, who tripped you up? says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? In other words, once again, you were running a great race, but you didn't stay the course. You didn't persist. Are you all following me today? Yes? There's something about, in fact, let me maybe throw this out to kind of put another thought in your head. Uh, one of the synonyms of persist is this word called endurance. And in fact, we're sitting here talking about running a race before we dive into the next guy. Uh, I want to tell you about a guy, I told you before, his name's uh, Dean, I'll probably say his last name wrong, it's, it's Carnezes, something like that, it's a, it's a, it's a Jewish last name. But uh, Dean is, is known as the ultra marathon man. To give you an example, he ran 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. Pretty impressive, and he, and he did that around the age of 50, okay? So, so watch this, um, here's what's really cool. Dean decided years ago that he wanted to try to run 300 miles without stopping. And uh, he, he, yeah, impressive, huh? I'm like, I ran a mile though down the treadmill, and I thought I was the man, right? So, so he wanted to run 300 miles, and, and that's like, I, I don't know, it's, you know, where we used to live. That's like Fayetteville to Atlanta. You, you know, I'm just like, it's insane. So he, want, he wanted to run 300 miles, and uh, he tried it, I think, two times. And while he was running, he was fell asleep and woke up literally in the middle of the road, cars coming. And so he said, okay, I need to, I need to quit, right? And what's so awesome is as he's running, this is beautiful, he, uh, he would literally call a pizza place and go, hey, can you meet me at exit so-and-so, bring coffee beans and I need a large pizza. And he's running, holding the pizza like this, eating, getting calories <laughs> while he's running. Awesome, right? So anyways, um, I should tell you a lot about your spiritual walk. You've got to keep eating if you want to keep running. Okay. So, so anyway, so uh, he tried it, and what was so funny, Dean went on a talk show, and uh, while he was on the talk show, this lady went and ran 300 miles. She went and did it. So he upped the ante and decided, okay, I'm going to run 350 miles without stopping. 
And, and so anyway, so Dean, Dean uh, ran 50 more miles than that lady. And, and obviously both of them are exceptional, okay? But I think he, his time was uh, 80 hours and 44 minutes. Without sleeping, he ran 80, what did I say, 80 hours, 44 minutes. She did in like 79, 45. Okay? So here's the thing, though. Here's the point that I want to make to you. talking about endurance. I love the part in his book. He said this. He said, when I'm running, I say, Dean, see that stop sign. I run to the stop sign. Then I say, Dean, see that tree. I run to the tree. See the corner. I run to the corner. And he goes, and that's how you run. I'm up the miles from when he read the book. But he said, and that's how you run 350 miles. It's kind of like that, that you just go, okay, I'm going to have that kind of endurance that I'm going to refuse to quit. Amen? So anyway, so Paul goes, Paul's sitting here and he writes to this church. And the reason he writes to this church is honestly because the heart of God is, is leading him. But he knows that, guess what, inside of us we've been called and we've been called equipped to persist without exception. And he's putting this burden to write to this church because they're not doing what's been deposited inside of them. And then he goes on in another portion of Scripture and he makes it personal. It goes beyond just a, a group of people. And he, and he goes, once again, he starts talking about one of his friends. And uh, this guy isn't just a friend. This guy was a co-laborer in preaching the gospel. And even get this, this guy was actually in prison with Paul and a few of his other friends for preaching the gospel. So this is a guy that, that has done life with Paul uh, quite a bit. But he says this in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 10. He's actually telling Timothy this. He says, Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Get that. For Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. We all know that he didn't leave Paul. He, he, it was really the mission God put in his heart. Right? Amen? So watch this. When I read that, um, me personally, my thoughts go this. Hold on a second. This guy Damas is hanging out with a guy named Luke. Luke was anointed by God, called by God to write the Gospel of Luke and to write the book of Acts. And then you go, not only did he hang out with Luke, but he also hung out with John Mark. Here's the guy that wrote the Gospel of Mark. And then, you know, to top it all off, he was hanging and doing life with this guy named Paul who wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. Three-fourths of the New Testament. And he's hanging out with these guys. And I don't know about you, but I go, I go like this. Here's my thoughts. I'm kind of scratching my head and I go, did they not all face the same circumstances? Did they not all face the same obstacles, the same trials, same temptations? Did they not all face the same hard times? But how is it that three finished strong, and how is it that the Mas, one, fell off the wagon? So to me, it all comes down to one thing. It's the only answer I got, and I may be wrong, but I think it comes down to that whole thing of persisting without exception. Are you with me today? So, you know, Andy Andrews said this quote, and I think it's really good. He said this, said, the tragedy of life is not that man loses, but that he almost wins. Wow, huh? The tragedy of life is not that man loses, but that he almost wins. What a statement. And it's kind of like this. Let me, uh, let me maybe kind of take a rabbit trail here. This book that, that uh, I told you I just kind of got the points from, everybody elbow your neighbor and say, wake up. Come out. Is uh, in in the last in the last chapter of this book, uh, the guy that's the character, Andy Andrews' book, Traveler's Gift. He actually uh, he doesn't know it, but he goes to this like this made up room in heaven, and he's walking in this room, and there's these big baskets with all these pictures, 
And then he goes, and there's all these bicycles. And then he goes, and there's this long section of just money that's just stacked as high as you can see and, and whatever, like 70 yards long. Uh, you know, there's lawnmowers, there's doors, there's windows. There's, you know, it's almost like you go and you name all these things. And when finally the character in the book, his name is David, he finally says, uh, you know, I don't get it. Gabriel of Angels there with him. He goes, I don't get it. What is this room? And he says, this is the room basically that almost was. And he begins to teach him a lesson that this room is full of things that people believed God for, they had faith for, they were praying, but before the answer could come through, they quit praying. Now follow me. And so I'm not saying that that place is real, but I am saying, wow, that's an eye-opener to think, how many times have we prayed about certain things and then we just kind of gave up? Are you all with me? That, that in the middle, we, we didn't have the staying power to keep praying, and we just said, forget it, I'm done. And see, there's this part where Jesus talks about, I think it's Luke 13, he talks about this persistent widow who comes to a judge, and, and it says that he, she keeps asking and asking and asking and asking, and it says that the judge will finally give her what she wants, not because he's a good judge, but because her persistence. Are you all following me today? So it's kind of like this. Let me, let me kind of make it, it, make it kind of broad here, then maybe make it small is how many people have prayed for this region that God would that God would come and change it and do something and then lost heart and then said, I'm done. How many how many family members have we prayed for the salvation, but because it didn't turn around in two years, we quit. Y'all follow me. There's that there's that tenacity that God wants in us, that passion to keep fighting. Amen. All right, so let me give you let me give you four Qualities that I believe a, uh, a persistent person possesses. And this is really simple, but another way maybe worded is this. It's four things that motivate persistent people. Number one is this, is they know that God is, number one, they know that God is committed to them. So simple. That God is committed to them. And this is kind of the idea I want you to get here, that, that God is a God of completion, even when it comes to you. That God is a God of completion. Because God's a God of completion, he said this in Philippians 1.6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work. Has God begun a good work in anybody in this room? Come on, wave your hand at me if God has begun a good work in you. All right. It says, that he who has begun a good work in you will what? Will complete it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Man, how awesome is that? Is that not awesome? That, that God started with us and he's not going to leave us hanging. You, you see, a persistent person is confident that God is committed to them. That he is faithful to them. Watch this. Not for a week, not for a month, or maybe for a year. He's not just committed to them in the good times. But know that God is committed and faithful to you from now through eternity. Amen. Watch this. In fact... Uh, look at, uh, if you have your Bible, it's not going to be on the screens. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you're there, say, so, oh yeah. All right, Romans chapter 8. Here we go. Look at verse 31. I'm reading from the New King James. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? says, he who did not, did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And then it says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, 
who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is risen? Or it says, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? And then it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or perilness or sword? And then verse 37, it says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If that portion of scripture doesn't scream commitment, I don't know what does. Amen. Now God's for us. Hallelujah for that. So it's this. Here's kind of the thing when here's a persistent person's mentality. Here's how it motivates them. It motivates them because they realize that if that God is consistent or if he's committed to them, then in return, it motivates them to be committed and faithful back to him from now to eternity. So it's kind of like this idea, guys. If I know that God's committed to me in the tough times, why wouldn't I be committed to him in the tough times? If he's committed to me in the good times, why wouldn't I be committed to him in the good times? Amen. So simple. So the first one is this. The first thing that motivates a persistent person or the first quality is that they realize that God's committed. The second one is this, is they are aware that the devil is committed to. They know that the devil is committed to. In other words, a persistent person knows that the devil is committed to stealing, killing and destroying every area of their lives. It's truth, isn't it? That's John 10, 10. But listen to what 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 says, because it really talks about a persistent person. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. It says he prowls around like a roaring lion. Notice that like. He's an imitation. Okay? His power is not equal with God's. He is like. It's an imitation. Okay? Jesus is the Lion of Judah. So it says he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And then it says to stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. So, but I want you to know something here. Notice it says looking for someone. That's encouraging. That means he can't devour everyone. Amen. It's this, it's this simple understanding that, that who can he devour? You know, for lack of a better term, it's the guy that's running around with a stake tag to his butt. I'm not talking about a stake. I'm talking about a, a, a stake tied to his butt, a piece of meat. That, that's who the enemy comes, comes and, and gets, Right? about this moment. Anyways, so, so listen, though, it, it's if that means he can't devour every person, well, who's he not devouring? He's not devouring the person that's persistent and basically holding their guard up. The person that's persistent in staying alert. The guy that's persistent in what? What's the last thing? In faith. Right? That's how you're resisting. Amen? So listen, because a persistent person knows that, they understand that, watch this, and it's so simple, they understand that they can't take breaks. That they can't let their guard down. It's not that we live in fear. No, God's given us authority. Thank God that, uh, you know, that God watches over us and He protects us. Thank God that we're covered by His blood. Yes. But at the end of the day, I can't be making dumb mistakes that put that stake on my rear end and then go take off to a field and act like the devil's not going to get me. Amen? It's really simple. Number three. Here we go. Kind of a weird wording here. But number three, a committed person, they don't die of dehydration persistent person. They don't die of dehydration. What I mean with that, 
is a persistent person isn't afraid of dry times. Not afraid of spiritual dry times. They don't panic when the emotional high uh, is gone. Because it's going to happen, yes? In fact, it's kind of like this idea. A, a persistent person has the wisdom about them to realize that the next valley is just right over or right after this mountaintop experience. So I, the reason I'm saying that is because there's so many people that come here and all some guy like Pastor Brian preach and they all cry with him when, they, when he cries. And they all have this moment and they leave and go, man, God touched us today. Man, God is, God is good. And then, they, and then they get on Tuesday and, and then they don't feel that same emotion that they felt on Sunday in church, Right? When the anointing was there, the presence was there, and then they go, God must not love me. Right? And, or, they, or they think that they somehow backslid or whatever it is. And anyways, it's this thing that, they, that, that we weren't, I've said this to you before, but we were never designed to live on the mountaintop experience. We're called to live there. And the reason is, and I can give you a real practical thing. I've told you guys before that I, um, some of my favorite shows to watch on TV are survival shows. Preparation, I guess. I don't know. So I just like that stuff. I, I don't know if I'm living through those guys or whatever. But, but, but I, lo- I love survival shows. But what's so, what's so funny, in fact, I was watching one the other day. They, they uh, flew into some mountains. I think they were in, I don't know, like Holland or something like that, uh, uh, Norway or something. Anyway, so they, they flew in and they landed on the top of this mountain and they dropped this ex-Navy SEAL guy off on top of the mountain. And what was the first thing he did? He didn't say, how can I set up camp here and live on top of the mountain? There's no trees. There's no water. There's no food. It's rock and snow. The view is great. The moment's glorious, right? But he said, the first thing he said, he said I got to get off this mountain. And so the first thing he did was trying to figure out what was the best way for him to get off the mountain. Why? Because he knows that it's down in the valley is where there's trees, there's water, which obviously is their food, built to start fire, all those things. You follow me? Survival's there. So it's kind of this idea is that growth really doesn't happen on the mountain. It happens in the valley. And so God takes this uh, from mountaintop experience. Thank God we get to see this amazing view, and we get to enjoy this amazing moment with God. But then he says, you know what? I've got to bring you down here to the valley because there's some things we need to work on, some things that need to grow inside of you. And it's in that point when we get in the valley spots when, uh, when we can't see the view because all the trees around us, it's in those moments we've got to keep persisting because we know uh, sooner or later we're going to climb another mountain and we're going to see another glorious moment and we're going to go back to another valley. Then we're going to have another mountaintop experience and we're going to live like that. Am I making sense, you guys? But, but, the, but the best part is this. is um, It's really what happens in the valley that gives us the nutrients and the strength to be able to climb that mountain. Right? And so if I just get in the valley and I go, huh, and I get in my funk, then guess what? I, it's going to be another, maybe another five, six years of revival comes to my heart that I can somehow climb another mountain. It doesn't supposed to be that way. It's a continual this. Yes? Amen? That's why it's so important that we don't live on feelings. Live by faith. Amen? So, watch this. Let me share a verse with you. In Psalms 23, verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, that I walk through. This doesn't supposed to be just a funeral passage. It's a passage for everyday life. Okay? Yea, though I walk through. Somebody say through. Through the valley of the shadow of death. I told you before, but the shadow of death there actually in the Hebrew, it actually means, Yea, though I walk through the valley of experiences. So we're going to experience those low places in life. But once again, we've got to recognize that we're supposed to walk through them. And then it says, I will fear no evil. For, notice the next part. For you are with me. That's the committed part again, that even if it's here or if it's here, 
Thank God that God is with me. Amen. And then it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Last one, number four. We're almost done. Number four is be committed, basically, to, the, to do the basics. Committed to doing the basics. Committed to doing the basics. So the first one was, is committed, knowing that God's committed to them. Second was knowing that the devil's committed to. Third one is, we don't die of dehydration. Number four is we're committed to doing the basics. Now, I think it's kind of obvious, it's kind of a given, that we should be a people that are committed to the Word of God. And then that we should be committed to prayer, we should be committed to praise and worship, we be, uh, should be committed to serving, to giving, to sharing our faith. We should be committed to obedience and accountability. But I, but I want to work a full circle here today because I told you at the top that I told you at the top that if we don't succeed in this one area, then we won't succeed at the other six areas. And so for a second, I want to take a step back and I just want to look at, okay, once again, if I got to persist, going back to the first one, the buck stops here. What was that, guys, really? It was simply this, that, that I no longer point the finger and blame everyone else for my current position in life, but instead I take responsibility for my actions, my attitudes, and my behaviors, and my words, right? So it's kind of like this. It's, it's that mentality daily that I say I'm going to be persistent because I'm going to have plenty of options for, for a guy or a gal to come along and to offend me, but in that moment, because I'm not... I'm being persistent, not pointing the finger, but I'm persistent to go, okay, I'm going to own what's my response back towards them, right? Then I'm, then I'm going to be committed and persistent in that area to doing the right thing. Then my life will change. Then I'll succeed in that area. The second was this, is that I'm going to be a person that uh, seeks God's unlimited wisdom rather than depending on my limited wisdom. So every day of making a commitment of going, God, and it's this, it's a position of humility, that I recognize, God, I need you. I need your thoughts. I need your, you know, thank you, God, that I have the mind of Christ. Thank you that I think your thoughts. And being committed to being a person uh, that doesn't want to just do it on our own, but we have, the, once again, the humility to do it God's way. Yes? Amen? So the third one was what? To be a person of action. Once again, that I persist in doing this. That going, God, I want inside of me the inability to do nothing. In other words, I don't want to just go and... Uh, position after position, place after place, and see something and have God show me something, let me hear something, let me see something, and then go, God, I refuse to, to do anything about it. I want to be a person that does something. Yes? Amen? So the fourth one was this. The fourth one was that I have a decided heart, and that's simply this, of just not wavering back and forth, but being persistent and being a person that, that knows God's purpose for our lives, and we run and we move forward in that. The fifth one was this, is I have a forgiving heart. And I think this is uh, one of the areas that probably people are challenged in the most is can they continue with a pure heart and a heart that forgives and a heart that shows mercy and a heart that shows grace. Because it's so easy, just especially in the days that we're living in, for people, uh, they're mean. Right? They're mean. They're, they're rude. And there's so many opportunities uh, to be offended. But once again, if I'm persistent because I want a pure heart before God, then I'm going to forgive them. And the last one was simply this. We're going to close is that that I want a grateful heart. You you know, this is the thing I really want you guys to think about. You know, obviously we just went through, you know, a pile of elections. Your your guy might have got in, your gal might not have. Right? But at the end of the day, we're still one nation. Right? And and so I have an opportunity to go, I can either be be grateful for the nation we live in and let that supersede the things that I don't like and keep my eyes on what's, on what's good, right, what's right, what's true, what's noble in this world, or I can be negative about everything. And I'm telling you, uh, if negativity poisons us, okay? But when you're positive, not, not 
high in the sky and not being blind, but, but, but for minutes stopping and recognizing what uh, the God in the middle of it. Right? It's like recognizing the peace in the storm that he's there with you. It's that, it's that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment. I've known that the fourth man in the fire, that God is with you. It's when you grab a hold of that and you're thankful that he's with you in the middle of this, then you'll be in a better off spot. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Some of y'all probably think I need to go on vacation more often. That was quick. Amen. I simply want to do this today. I want to pray that we'll be a persistent people. I think a lot of times it's so easy. It's so easy not to quit on things that don't matter. And it's so easy to quit on things that do matter. Yes? Y'all get what I mean by that? And it's this. It's, it's that. I'll give it in a real simple way. Years ago, I learned that being on fire for God didn't mean that I necessarily had some kind of feeling. It just meant that I made the right decision. And meaning this, that just because I didn't feel like going and praying, or I didn't feel like reading my Bible, or I didn't feel like it didn't mean that I lost something. It just meant if I was really on fire for God, if I really loved God, then I was going to pray when I didn't feel like it, read when I didn't feel like it, worship when I didn't feel like it, witness when I didn't feel like it. You, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, on our way back, we had a... We had a red-eye flight on uh, Friday night. Our flight took off from Portland, Oregon at, uh, I think, like it was 11.10. And I really, after four hours of driving to the airport, we really left about 1.30. We've been in the car like hours. And we got four little children, right? And two was operating much better than two other ones. Two were being easy. Two were not. So, most part, all of them did good. But anyways, so we're getting on this plane, and, and it's three hours past their bedtime. People are cranky, right? And I'm thinking, man, what I want to do at this moment is I just want to slide everybody some Benadryl and let's go to La La Land. I've never done that. We've never done that. But the thought sure has crossed our minds. Okay, so anyways, so, uh, you know, thankfully, I, you know, I was sitting there and I just had Jude in between me. And Jude was being great. Thank God. Jen had uh, the baby. Uh, she was in the middle between Michaela and Kate and the baby was sitting in her lap. And, you know, if you've been around him, he, he's into everything. So she was getting her work cut out for him. Anyways, so I'm sitting there. I'm going, man, I really just want to sleep. Let's get this plane in the air, and I'm ready to pass out, right? And so because our flight didn't land till here until 930 in the morning. So long night. And I, and you people that can sleep anywhere, I envy you. I can't, I, I'm not that person. Like Noah, you can, put, you can hang Noah from that light, and he would sleep eight hours. Great. Not me. I struggle. Brian can hit a chair and he's out. Once again, I'm, I'm struggling. So anyways, in that moment, I'm sitting there. I'm going, yes, I get to go to sleep. And then the woman, it's me, Jude, and a lady that's sitting there. She goes, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And she just, so she kind of just moved on. I thought, okay, well, we're going to go to sleep, right? Anyway, so then in a second, she turned and looked at me, and she started crying, and she said, my mother, I just got a call, and my mother had a massive heart attack, and I'm on my way to New Jersey, and I don't know if she's going to make it or not. My dad's got dementia, and she goes, and I really envy you people that believe in God, and so she was talking about how she grew up Catholic, and I guess things that she saw, she said, I don't want anything to do with God. 
I don't know what she saw. I don't know where she was at. Not my business. And and so, but that progressed, and I don't know, an hour and a half conversation, something like that, about Jesus. And at the end, I said, hey, is it okay if I pray for you? And I said, I don't really care if you want me to or not. I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> she said, sure. She was really, really sweet. So I, I just leaned over to you, put my hand on her shoulder, prayed for her. Obviously, she was crying. And it was this, Jesus, because um, I told her in the conversation, I said, I believe if you begin to ask God, God, if you're really real, show me. He'll show you. I believe that my whole heart. And, you know, because once again, we got that promise in the word that says, you know, I, I quoted Jeremiah 29, 11, front of the plans I have for you. But in verse 13, you will seek and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I said in my mind that there's no greater promise in the Bible that there's a guarantee that if we seek him, we will find him. Right. So I just encourage her in that and I pray for it. But it's kind of like this in that moment when you live and you want to be a persistent person. There's going to be plenty of moments that are inconvenient to be persistent without exception. It's that moment when our hearts are going, okay, God, you know, with me and that woman, I've prayed for years. God, um, I don't believe I sit beside these people for accident. I believe that they're there for a reason and and you got a conversation that wants wants to take place. Just this night, I wasn't really wanting to have that conversation. But... You know, present itself, talk to her. I, and so wild because she has seen people that just browbeat you. And she just said, you know, talked about her college days. And she said, you know, it seems like you take that approach that you really come from a love and mercy side. And so it's this moment to just be Jesus to her. Not a religion, but to be Jesus. So it's kind of like that. It's kind of the point just in life. It's, we all have these moments where we go, we don't pray or, or, or we don't want to pray. We don't want to read the Bible or we don't want to go to church or we don't want to do the right thing. Whatever it is, we want to hold to an offense. It's a thousand things. In those moments, once again, it's not, it's not always convenient, but God will be with you through it because he's called you and he's equipped you to be a persistent person without exception. Right? Somebody do me a favor. Say, without exception. Let those two words burn in you today. Without exception. And just go, okay, God, I want to do what you called me to do, and I want to be who you called me to be, and I want to do whatever it takes to get there. Amen? Amen. And it's kind of like this. Maybe, maybe let me back up. Jesus has already done the work in you. He's already done the work in you. That work just needs to come to the forefront, and that's where our persistence takes place. It just helps what he's already deposited on the inside work its way out. Amen? So let's just lift our hands and just in a receiving position, and I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you for every one of your sons and every one of your daughters that's in this room today. And, Father, we are just asking today that you would help us to be a people that are marked with persistence. Father, we'd be marked with persistence. Lord, I don't think anybody in here is a a Damas. But, Lord, we want to be more like the men and women of great faith in the Bible that knew how to persist without exception. So, Lord, we ask today that you would just help us to have that um, no-quit policy in our hearts. God, that, that we want all that you have, all that you've made available. Lord, we want it in our hearts, in our lives. And so, Father, thank you for coming and just speaking life, speaking encouragement over us today. Lord, if we're in here today and we just need a, a pat on the back and a reminder to keep running, to keep pushing, to keep running the race that's set before us, Lord, I'm asking today, God, that you would come and just remind us to keep moving forward, to keep moving forward today. And so, Father, thank you for just the, uh, 
just the way that only you can, God. You're so great at just going at revealing excuses that we use and making them really nothing. So, Lord, we're asking that you would remove all excuses today. And, God, just help us be encouraged in our faith. Father, thank you for just, uh, just the endurance to keep going. And so, Lord, today, uh, I just bless your people. Father, thank you for just, even in this moment, speaking to their hearts, God, just individually, things that you are desiring to do in them or that you've been desiring to do in them, things that you've been wanting to bring from the inside to the outside. And, Lord, I just pray that they would have the courage, God, to keep pushing and moving in that direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.